want to welcome uh, our miracle guest and the family, right? You're, uh, you're witnesses of, uh, of the anointing hand of God to bring somebody out of a very perilous possibility, even unto death. So we're thankful for that, are we not? Amen. He said he drove up, too. Wow. You didn't even split it? He won't let... A little bit. Okay. Uh, when... Uh, I mean, our, our responsibility, I hope we're, we're getting a hold of this, is and really the, the most significant thing you do to get any help to go anywhere is to offer yourself every day uh, while it's still today. And uh, you may know that, but... Um, in the, in the middle of it, if the Holy Spirit is there, you, what, you, what we experience is uh, He's helping us get rid of everything that offends. Yeah. And uh, somebody should have said, uh-oh. Uh, but if we see that his, his work is only to help, even though it's painful, because he doesn't snatch uh, the stuff out of our hands. Uh, that, I mean, I, I'm sure he can and has and will at times. But majorly, this is an offering. And if you, if you have a, a bad day and, and you're offensive uh, a good part of it and you feel like, uh, am I ever going to get there? It's, it's the, the absolute part. When Job said, let us choose judgment, it was because he knew, being uh, mature and even as though he was the younger of all the crowd, he knew that judgment must come. That God has to deal with us if we're going to come to any growth level. And if we can really get this in our minds that it's not going to happen because we're here tonight necessarily the spirit of god could speak to you might we hope he does but but it's the daily thing you embark on and no matter how ugly you see yourself it's important to continue offering and to be thankful for whatever plight that you're in i don't know ben you might, uh, you might have a few things to say to us tonight because, you know, when you were on the edge, uh, I'll bet there, you know, you, how do I feel thankful? How do I feel thankful? I don't feel thankful. And, 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 the, and the issue in any offering we make, we can't do it. I mean, I'm sure that everyone here can line up specifically their problems. Some of them. But maybe you would be surprised here and there. But, but some of this is in the quietude of just walking through the day and you, you see an outfit you don't like or a face that 
looks like a zombie that only talked to a handful here and there, or you, you see just the nastiness of your own temperament. And nobody else may see it, but you and God see it. And, and you can tell him, didn't like me today. But instead of getting a list and, and, and repenting for specifics, because God will make it clear, can we understand this? That you have a life in Christ that is absolutely yours to live every day. It belongs to you. It's the most sacred and significant aspect of meaning that you walk with and I walk with. And I haven't, I haven't been able, I can't show the kind of intensity and appreciation unless he gives it to me. It's, it's perilous, and it's, it's awful to say, I want, it's your day, Lord, and then I have to go out and demonstrate, and, and he shows me things that I may want to get away from. I don't have the capacity. He shows me my cowardice. He shows me my resistance. But I do have the power of Christ and the God who is doing everything constantly to bring me to where I'm to be. <laughs> Privileged places. Privilege. Lord, we thank you tonight. We thank you for, for Ben and Mella and their family and uh, what you've done. And we thank you that you allowed us to care and be a part of it. So we're investors in that which is eternal and we're, we're thankful for your work this night. We ask you to continue it as we, as we come to you. Wake us up. Let us know your constancy and our absolute dependence on you for this. In Jesus' name, let's gather.
You don't need to turn to this, but this verse has been going through my head now for three weeks. You won't need to turn to it. It's only about six words. First Corinthians, uh, Corinthians 13, 4. It says, Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity suffers long and is kind. What's kind about suffering? It's, it's, I've been really dwelling on that idea. What, and I, I think I read it. Charity is a, a funny word that they used there in the King James. It's translated love in a lot of other places. And it's one of the three Greek words for love. And it's the agape one. It's the love of God. Suffers long. What's he suffering with? Well, his son was born and died on the cross somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,000 years ago, depending on what calendar you want to hold to. There are a variety of calendars out there. <laughs> what is fairly clear, I think, to me is this idea that over the last 2,000 years, he suffered a lot of sons to grow up. And it's not just this generation, but it's all those who have gone before us. And given the sense of the word that we've been hearing of late, that Christ was before the foundation of the world, all the ones before that, before Jesus ever came, God has indeed suffered long. There's a pronoun in front of charity that they don't translate. It's a weird one. It's ho-ho <laughs> to say it. Um, in Greek, that's ho-ho. Uh, um, and it's impersonal. And by impersonal, it doesn't mean it rep doesn't represent a person, but it represents an indefinite person. I am sure that it means the person of God, because he is love, right? Scripture is pretty clear on that point. Um, but I also think that it's he or she, all of us, loving and suffering long, whatever we have to suffer. There's nobody in here that's unacquainted with suffering. I mean, even the littlest children have to deal with parents. <laughs> and we get quite acquainted with suffering over the years. And is kind. Charity is kind. God's kind. He's been very kind to me. Kind beyond belief. 
I mean, honestly, it's one of my biggest wars to hold on to his kindness towards me. He's had lots of excuse to not be kind. And he has been kind. His goodness has brought me to repentance. His goodness has brought all of us to repentance. Okay, so... Steve Dandrew read this this morning. He said, uh, this is in Galatians 5. You can turn to this because we're going to read several verses. Uh, 5 verse 18 is where we're going to start. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, Variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. That's quite a list, especially if you compare it in length to the other one. In this flesh, there is indeed no good thing. And if we look very close internally to ourselves, we fit into... probably a half a dozen or more of those categories on any given day if we're in the flesh. Thank God we're not trapped there. Of of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But... That's a really big but. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the spirit and this is really my message I guess today if we live in the spirit we need to walk in the spirit and what does that mean how do you do that well this idea of charity is all wrapped up in it and while I'm going to talk a little longer I think um, you can Meditate on that. How his love for you has suffered. And how his love for the congregation here has suffered stuff your eyes have clearly seen as an offense. And perhaps you need to actually forgive. He did. And we walk on together. We walk on continuing to grow in this, continuing to suffer in this. We should sit down as you get up here. <laughs> because, you know, we suffer physically. We suffer the plagues of our own heart. Solomon prayed that when he was dedicating the temple, that every man would know the plague of their own heart. 
And God's faithful. If you ask him, he will show you. And he'll help you. He's kind. And it wouldn't hurt if we extended that kindness towards others. Okay. This one I didn't actually print out, so I'll get it up here where I can see it and read it, hopefully. Um, you can turn to Colossians 1. I'm only going to read one verse, but it'll give me time to get my Bible open while you're turning. <clears throat> Verse 24 in chapter 1. It says, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Paul was rejoicing in the sufferings. And the reason he was rejoicing it's hard to imagine rejoicing in suffering. There are things happening in my life that I really wish weren't happening. And we're filling up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ. You know, Jesus was a man. He couldn't go through everything. He was tempted in all, all points just as we were, but he couldn't endure all the stuff that his body has endured over the years. I mean, just consider the early church under the hand of Nero. Or the latter church in China, Russia. We, were, we are a very blessed people to have the freedom we have. And we're not lacking in our own little element of contribution to the suffering either. Just want to be really clear about that because God's, God's really... You can't grow up without this suffering. You don't get the measure of the plague that's in your own heart until you have to walk through it and see it face to face. Look at it in the mirror in the morning when you get up. Be tormented in the night by the guilt and the shame of something you know you really shouldn't have done. And we get to grow and we get to experience his kindness because I, can't, I, I keep coming back to that. It says, charity suffers long and is kind. Thank you, Lord, for the kindness. We wouldn't be able to endure the suffering. I mean, the scripture is fairly plain. If the days had not been cut short, 
none would be saved alive. So, Deuteronomy chapter 8. <clears throat> And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness. You know, for some of us, it really has been forty years in the wilderness. <laughs> no, I was thinking today, um, Stephen Andrew made this statement in opening. If you remember, about abundance. Affluence. Bringeth avarice. Which could have been in that list I read in Galatians. It is, probably by another name. But when we built this building, look at this building. Those windows are, windows are triple-pane glass. And in between the glass is a layer of argon. And we had one broken a little while back and had to replace it. But we had to buy all those things back in the day of a $5 family fund. And we really didn't have the money. Look at them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. God did that. And He didn't do it in abundance. It's all oak trim, real oak. Go to the Superior Hardwood and price it. And the workmanship, the value of the men who poured out their lives to build this building and maintain this building. Looks like brand new 40 years later. Well, 30 something. God's, God's got this thing wired, and he has provided for us, even when it wasn't there in our own personal pocket. And now, to a large extent, it is there in our own personal pocket. And we have some responsibility before the Lord as to how we handle that. And how we teach our children to handle it. Okay, so where were we? We're in Deuteronomy 8. So, and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God has led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether you would keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee manna 
which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. And it's his word, it's that, not this word, it's that word you hear personally. Hopefully when you wake up in the morning, and by the grace of God throughout the whole day. He's got something to say. He wants to relate to you like a father. He wants to relate to you like a husband. Both. And he loves us as much way more than you love your own kids. <clears throat> thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord chastens thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandment of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth, unto, bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains, and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. And you know, that's really true about this place in particular. God's brought us to a place where we've got water. He's brought us to a place where we have the best water on the planet. Truthfully, the DEC goes to great lengths to make us prove it repeatedly, and I can certify that there is good water. And not only that, it comes up out of wells all over the place here. He has provided a land of wheat and barley and vines and figs and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey. Well, at least we get the honey. <laughs> Thank you, Don. <laughs> a land wherein you shall eat bread without scarceness. Even back 35 years ago, my kids were not hungry. Oh, they were hungry. <laughs> but... <laughs> They were, there wasn't actually a lack of food. <laughs> there was perhaps a lack of food that they wanted to eat. That part might be true. But <laughs> but we have certainly eaten bread without scarceness. Thou shalt eat, and thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. Well, actually, it's gold up there on Pogo. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. And beware that you forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Remember all this. 
it's a challenge to remember it. It's especially a challenge to remember it when you're dealing with you or with a neighbor that's offended you. His goodness has a way of escaping. So in Matthew 22, you don't need to turn there, but I will read it to you. It says, Master, which is the greatest, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, because it says there, beware that you forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command you this day. I don't, we're not talking about the law of Moses here. Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And of course he used agape in both those places. On these two commandments hang all the law, all of it, and get hung up over whether you can have facial hair or not have facial hair, bring hard alcohol onto the farm or not have hard alcohol on the farm. I'm picking on things that are kind of bygone. <laughs> no. Love thy neighbor as thyself, and love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Okay. In Hebrews 13, we've read this a couple of times recently, at least three times I can think. It was read back to back in opening. Um, in verse 5, it says, Let your con conversation be without covetousness. There's a good synonym for avarice. And be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, so that we may boldly say, this is the only way, guys. The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man may do to me. It's the only way. Only way you can be content. How can you be content in suffering? Well, the Lord is my helper. And we can boldly proclaim that. I think the first time it was read, it was read by... For he has said, I will never leave thee. I will never leave thee. I will never leave thee. Boldly say it. He's never leaving us. Boldly say it. 
That's how we get through and how we can be content. First Timothy 6. We'll start in verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. And, you know, I don't think there's anybody here that's unthankful for the size of the family fund or being able to keep the permanent fund. I'm thankful for a social security check. God's providing. Are you content? But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Follow after, and this is another list, just like Galatians. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Philippians 4, Stephen Andrew read this this morning, but I'll read it again. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to both to be abased and how to abound. And everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. We can't do anything except through Christ who strengthens me. Do you believe that yet? Has God convinced you? That's a challenge, especially to the younger ones. It'll take God to convince you that you can't do anything through Christ, which, except through Christ which strengthens you. And I know how to abound. I'm learning how to abound. I've never abounded like this in my life. I don't know how. I do have some ideas, though. You can't buy people out of the stuff they get themselves into. I can help. I can provide finances. It doesn't fix the issue. And God loves a cheerful giver. Just for the record. Wholehearted. Fully engaged in giving. All in, as Ron says. And what are you giving? Your body. It's for my shirt. Uh-oh. 
This one is old. I've worn it many times. Um, okay. Um, but this is what we've got to give him. He doesn't care about the money. He doesn't need the body. Money. He needs the body. A body that his son could be manifested in. What's, it's what he wants. It's the only thing he wants. Also in Philippians chapter 3. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. You know, I'm, Paul, Paul wrote a very large chunk of the Old Testament. I mean, New Testament, the letters. And by any means, he counted himself not to have attained. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, there's a whole new day in front of us. Again, especially for the young ones. The shenanigans going out in, in the nations of this world are not our calling. There's a whole new day coming. We are called to something entirely different. And when God makes that manifest however God does that I can sincerely and honestly say I don't know how he's going to do that it's quite a mess out there but somehow he's got a plan for putting that whole thing under his feet under your feet under my feet And so, we're reaching on to those things that are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And then I like this last line, closing line here. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And then if anything, ye be otherwise minded. Got some other mind? God shall reveal even this unto you. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help me get his mind. 
This is a wonderful promise. If in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. He'll do it with love. Likely involves some suffering. And with kindness. But he is faithful. Paul found him faithful. I found him faithful. You will find him faithful. He will provide. both really wanted to get up here and like really did not want to get up here. I'm um, just, you know, kind of thinking as we were uh, rolling in here to the farm because, um, I mean, over the past eight months, there's, I don't know how to condense and synthesize um, uh, my thoughts. And this is the other reason I didn't want to get up here. I'm an emotionally fragile character right now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it is, it is, it's, it's good. Um, and then often at odd times, so. Um, anyway, um, I've got a thousand thoughts in my mind and I like the cream separator back there. Hopefully uh, you get some of the cream and not the skim milk out of it. But um, I, I'm just gonna, I just wanna talk maybe a little bit about one, one thing. And um, before we get out of here, I'm hoping that maybe Mila gets up for a couple minutes and shares as well. Because um, I know um, for sure we, I should have had someone else uh, speak for me. I could have written this all out. <laughs> um, you know, because over the past eight months, I know how much um, support we've had. And um, I mean, I've handled this pretty stoically. You might be surprised um, <laughs> for the most part. But, but, um, but the thing that actually I want to talk about is, is similar to what Ted was talking about. Or one of the things I've had, I've kind of, kind of you know, three big things rolling around in my mind, I would say, if I were to summarize, you know, the last eight months of my thoughts. Um, I actually started keeping a, a journal, which is tedious work, and I do not recommend it, uh, <laughs> frankly. It's just way too much work, so I gave up after about six weeks. Um, but it was important for me to kind of write down some of what was going on in my, in my mind. Um, honestly, like, that is actually one of the, you know, apart from the physical thing. I mean, so many people go through cancer. Like, frankly, you know, it's uh, like it says in, in Corinthians, you know, there's no uh, temptation taking you, but such is as common to man. I mean, it's common, all right? So like, I'm not any special uh, case. And I, you know, I didn't really think of myself that way, but, um, you know, one thing, so, oh, sorry, I was saying the three, three things, I guess, if I were to summarize. One is I, I spent time thinking about prayer. I spent time thinking about belief or trust, and I thank you guys for putting that up there for me. Um, and the other thing I spent time thinking about was, was love. And um, 
since Ted talked about that one, maybe I'll just spend a minute, a minute talking about that. Um, you know, the measuring the love of God is not measured in the results of your physical situation, your wealth. I mean, any of those things. I mean, do you think that, you know, the people in Syria, the people in Myanmar, the people in Afghanistan are any less loved of God? No. I mean, we're not, you could say we're special in the sense that God's placed maybe a different calling on us. Fine, I'll I'll take that. But God loves um, man equally. And yet we can, um, we can try to, I think, um, you know, determine how much God loves us by what actually happens to us, right? What, you know, what, what the outcome is of something instead of just the fact that, that having that quiet assurance and that confidence that he loves you despite of what takes place. Um, and um, I add, um, I'll tell two quick stories. One is... Um, um, there's a there's an older gentleman that I used to to work with um, at Driving Force where where I still work but he he's gone on to something else and um, he's kind of a Mark Savaggio type um, kind of you know gets in your face and talks a lot and that sort of thing <laughs> but he's a great guy um, and and when I first got this uh, diagnosis um, you know he was pretty shaken up ab- about it and. Um, he he kind of made it his job to reach out pretty much weekly, either with a phone call, a text, came over and visited. Um, and, and anyway, we, we've we had kept up with each other over over the years. But um, when he was a kid, um, his he was raised Catholic, and his uh, his family was really you know they were devout Catholics. He was an altar altar boy and all that sort of stuff. And um, his sister uh, got sick when when she was I think still a teenager. And, um, and his mom had said, you know, had basically prayed and said, you know, you know, ask God to heal her, right? And uh, she wasn't healed. She ended up uh, dying. And that flipped a switch where they never went to church again, you know, totally gave up on God. And, um, you know, if, if our only measurement of God's, Love is how things evolve in our lives. We're going to be sorely, sorely disappointed. And the only conclusion that it can lead me to is that God measures love in a much different way than we measure it. And, um, you know, for one thing, um, it's not measured in the short span of time that we might measure it in. It's measured in an eternal um, level where there's a, there's a purpose, there's, you know, something that we are not privy to. Um, and yet, um, we can trust that he does love us. And, and I can tell you, and I don't want to, like, I don't want to overly speak about my experience here, um, but, um, you know, I had this, when I, when I first got this diagnosis, I, I, I felt like, you know, I should have this overwhelming sense of the anointing, like every day, like, like I'm going through this difficult thing in my life, right? And God should just be pouring out Himself, you know, and I should just be <laughs> overwhelmed every day. 
I did not experience that. And I don't say that with resentment or um, cynicism or anything. Um, that wasn't my experience. And uh, it's funny because we've got this uh, guy at church um, who went through cancer, I don't know, 15 or 20 years ago. And um, he's, he's often got up uh, from the pulpit and talked about how when he had, when he had cancer, um, you know, he didn't want to talk to anyone. He just wanted to be shut in with God every day because God was just ministering to him in such a powerful way. Again, sorry, I don't want to be cynical about it, but I was like, you know, if that was your experience, you know, that is fantastic. You know, good for you. Um, but but it, it wasn't my experience. But I also want to say that at the same time, you know, at one point um, we were out on a walk, Mill and I, and And the scripture, uh, his grace is sufficient for me, came to mind. And I thought about it not, you know, I've thought about that scripture before, just, um, I guess, just in a different sense. But it, it, it hit me like, it's, it's just enough. It's just what you need. It's not, you know, we think about maybe, so, you know, it's sufficient, like it's, you know, this grace is this overflowing thing, right? Um, but sometimes it's, it's just the little bit you need, you know, it's just the, you know, you got 100 miles left to go, and you got, you know, the fuel tank says you got fuel in there for 101. You know, it's just that little bit that you need to get you to the, to the end. And that's, and that's how I, I felt. It was just like, um, you know, it's, it's just enough. It's, when, I, when I felt, um, you know, weak or down or whatever, there was always just enough to, to get me there. Um, and so... Um, Anyway, the other um, the other thing I wanted to mention was just um, at one point I was I had I had two months or so two months plus off work so I had a lot of time to do things that maybe I normally wouldn't have done. The main one, which was sleeping. Yeah, I was going to ask some elderly lady for one of their tissues. <laughs> A napkin will work. Thank you. I'm just kidding. Sorry, nothing against elderly women. Um, Anyway, there was, I think it was a TED Talk, um, which I enjoy listening to. You can find some pretty good ones. This one, though, the title caught me. It, it, it was, the title was, um, All Things Work Together for Good and Other Lies That I've Believed. Okay, well, that's interesting, because I kind of believe that phrase, all things work together for good, you know, so I, I want to see what this person has to say. Um, anyway, it was, uh, turned out it was a lady who, again, was raised as a Christian. And in fact, she... Um, she had studied um, she had studied religion or religions, specifically um, prosperity gospel preachers and um, and their followers. And um, you know, of course, the the kind of the the deception with that is that you know, you do all the right things and your life is going to turn out wonderfully, right? Well, that's just not reality. It's just not. Um, and, and this lady uh, ended up, she ended up getting cancer and had a pretty severe uh, diagnosis. Um, and in, in the course of the talk, the one thing that she said, which, which resonated with me was, you know, at the time when I should have been feeling the most alienated and far from God, I had this quiet, 
peace that I was as close to God as I had ever been. And, um, you know, again, that made, that made sense to me. It, it, it's what my experience was as well. Like, even though at times I, I can say, like, uh, you know, read uh, chapters in Isaiah where he's talking about, you know, uh, God's gone away, basically, more or less, right? And uh, I, I felt like that, too. But, but there was always, and I, I, I feel this strongly, that there's always was an assurance that God was there in spite of whatever the situation was. And I'm not trying to dramatize my situation again. Like, people go through this stuff all the time. Um, but you can go through it and you can just, uh, you know, have an experience and be done with it, or hopefully you can get something out of it too. Um, so for me, you know, again, that, that assurance was that, you know, God was in control, that this was not something, it was, it was his love in spite of how things might turn out. Um, and I didn't know. You know, none of us us know. You know, there's a a scripture, Paul's talking in, uh, I think it's when he's um, he's in Rome, and um, one of the translations says it um, a little clearer than the King James does, I think. But he basically says, you know, I've got full confidence that I'm going to get out of this jail and I'm going to come to you shortly. Guess what? He was dead. (laughs) He was wrong. Right? Sometimes we have these feelings, right? And, and maybe we sometimes think it's, it's God. And, and you know what? And we can get so like locked into that, that feeling or maybe what we think even is a word from God. And then when it doesn't happen the way that we think it happens, we can be enormously disappointed in that. But the fact is, is that you know, our trust is not supposed to be in some outcome. It's supposed to be in God, despite the outcome. And that is something that, you know, it surpasses whatever thing happens in this life. It extends well beyond that. Um, anyway, okay, the last, um, just to finish this thought about, about uh, love, because that's where I started. Um, you know, you can be secure when, when you know that that is, that God does indeed love you. And I know this sounds basic, we need reminders sometimes. Um, and, um, and I know that this place, you know, extended an enormous amount of love to my, myself and Mila when I came, came here tonight and, um, and Vicky met me at the door. You know, I could feel, I could feel the love coming from her. And I know Vicky loves me, like I, and I, I love her. You can be, have confidence and you can be secure when you know that's in place. When you've got a relationship that is filled with love, you don't have to be second-guessing something. You don't have to be looking for some certain outcome. You can just trust that regardless of the outcome, that, uh, that relationship is going to stay in place. And, um, you know, it says that, um, you know, it says God created us in his image. And clearly that was not a... Uh, physical reference. Um, first of all, God's a spirit, so it doesn't stand up to a logical test. Um, but God is love. You know, how many times have you heard that? You know, as a as a kid, 
It's, it's not just um, God is loving. God is love. That is the principal characteristic. And I, and I know we could sit here and we could debate and we could talk about, well, what is love? Okay, fine. We could, we could do that for a long time. But that is who God is. Um, and if we're going to be, and if we were created in the image, and if we are growing into the image of God, then that's who we're going to become. And we're going to have that same sort of care and concern and, um, you know, a greater interest in someone else's well-being, which you know, sounds like completely foreign territory for most of us, myself included. But, um, but that, is what we're, that is what we're going to become, and that's the, the path that we should be on. So anyway, I'll leave you with that. going to be even harder for me not to cry than for Ben. But anyway, thank you guys so much for, I do not know how people go through things without the support that you guys offered to us. And um, I, I'm going to, I'm not going to, I don't have much to say, but um, one thing that like at the beginning of our search for what was actually wrong with Ben, um, it did really make me, um, aware of uh, like Rebecca and Seth and um, with Julian and all the searching for the answers and trying to get help and how, um, how long you guys have been um, looking for those answers. So it did make me think of you a lot more and pray for you guys a lot more. And through that time, Rebecca probably every other day would message me a worship song. And I just started making a playlist to which I know she's not here. So give her that message, Kaylee. <laughs> I just, um, it was, it was strength to me. And, um, okay, one of the things that I felt like God was speaking to me was um, during that time when we were searching, we kept thinking um, that we'd found the thing that was going to give us the help we needed. And then we would be disappointed. Now, mind you, it was maybe only a month. I don't even know. It felt like a lot longer. But um, my mom and I were talking, and she said, you can't look... For, um, you're looking for all these things as your provision and you need to look, he, he's your provision and he's the only one that's going to be your provision. And so all these things that we kept thinking, this doctor is going to give us answers or this connection is going to help us. Um, they weren't the thing and, and God knew what the thing was. <laughs> and like, we just kept trying to, to figure that out. And um, I think it, when we finally rested in knowing that, you know, he was, he hadn't fallen off the throne. He was still God. He was still taking care of us. We were still in his hand. Um, that was when we felt peace. And I do know there were times when it wasn't, um, there was no explanation for the peace that we felt. And I know that that's a tribute to all of your prayers and your support and, um, and God moving in our lives. And the other thing that I felt like I wanted to walk away from this um, saying that I would not change a thing. I just have seen so many of you walk through huge battles and you're still walking through them. And, um, and you just, you do it with thankfulness every day. And I just wanted that to be my testimony. I wanted to be able to say that I would never change a thing. And I mean, I, I really do feel that way now. It's a little easier on the other side. <laughs> but I do feel like I had that victory where I could say, 
this is this is what God has for our family. This is our provision for right now. And we felt very carried. So anyway, thank you very much. It's really nice to see you all. I meant to meant, I, I wanted to public, publicly acknowledge Mila as well. I yeah. missed yeah. that out, but she was a great supporter. Better than I would have been. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't have said get over it. Uh, just sitting here and uh, listening to the word and you know I go back little ways with you quite a ways with you and to see the uh, uh, the experience that brings hope you know uh, because in the middle of it you don't know where where it's going to go. Mella has to be a different <laughs> person through this. Uh, she saw aspects of her, her person that she didn't know was there. Strength on one side and total frailty on the other. And I, I've seen, you know, your transformation. And I thought all of us we, when we come together like this, we want to go with something, you know, and I thank you for the impartation. I thought, uh, sitting here saying, well, maybe I should say this and maybe I shouldn't, because I spent a lot of time in my life fighting tears, you know, and you, you know, we didn't get a big raindrop from you, but the the heart and the, the breaking that you've been through has made you a different man. Yes. A different man. And, and the same goes for my friend here who uh, has, has progressed. And I, I thought of a scripture that I preached a long time ago. Just a, uh, it's in, in, and it's worth looking at because all of you are surrounded, branded, carved on, changed, made who you are. And I read this years back and I kind of, it was like a, a snake in the path because it didn't make sense to me. And that was a lot of years ago. But when David says it there in, in uh, in 2 Samuel 22, he, he says, death uh, got hold of me. The, uh, I was surrounded in hell, and yet God was there. And he, he says something in verse 36 that we should all uh, understand and say, God, help me plow this. Help me make this mine. He says, thou has also given me the shield of thy salvation and thy gentleness has made me great. And I, excuse me for borrowing kindness and gentleness, they've got to be first cousins, right? Would you say that? And you're sitting here tonight, we're here together, and the, we would have never known 
the greatness that God has for us and that we can taste it at times, you know, intermittently in praise and in your testimony and your, your, your wife and children and, and the transition and the sacrifice that you make every day. It's a testimony of the living Christ that's there, Ted. And every one of us, God, he's been gentle with us, you know. And if he hadn't, we'd have never seen the greatness of what's before us or the capacity to get through it. It's, it's his softness that comes out of a loving father, as you mentioned. God help us. Let's stand. Let's, uh, I can pick on you. Gabe, we need a pianist over there. Good. Oh, come let us adore him. Or something with thankfulness in it. Oh, come let us adore him. Let's be dismissed.